0: Praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis on another beautiful day here in Queen City, Texas, where we're thankful and honored to have a great responsibility of sharing God's Word with whoever has ears to hear, wherever you might be across the world or even those that are gathered in this room this morning. We're thankful to be uh, in one mind, one faith, speaking the same thing, looking at God's Word in the same light, which is the light of Jesus Christ and what He did that the light would come on for us, what he did at Calvary, praise God. And we've been in the book of Ephesians now uh, since uh, last October the 7th. That's when we began today. This is session 34. Uh, today is June the 16th, and our website is there in case you're watching through Facebook. And uh, you can give, donate on the li- on, online at this uh, website, or you can mail your donations in with, Through that address right there, it'll come to the church. And I want to thank all those that are giving who are not located here, who bless the ministry and uh, enable us to better send the Bibles out on Friday that we send out and do all that we do here at Crossway Church, uh, taking the message of the cross to the world. And uh, we've just been super blessed of the Lord beginning uh, to study the book of Ephesians back in October. And and we're just still digging out the golden uh, nuggets, the bread of life that the Lord has hidden, not from us, but for us. He says if we'll cry out to Him, that we will hear from Him. And He will show us great and mighty things to come. And the Holy Spirit is doing great and mighty things today in our lives and it's all because he was able to bring us back to faith in the cross. So last week uh, we, I think we stopped in uh, Ephesians chapter five, verse three. I covered uh, fornication and uncleanness, and uh, and and we'll start today off by talking about covetousness just a little bit. But before we do, let's ask the Lord to bless this teaching today and to increase the spirit of knowledge and revelation and wisdom that we know He wants us to have today. Father, we just thank You for Your presence. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Spirit. Lord, we have no excuse as to why we couldn't be saved, why we couldn't live saved, why we couldn't walk with You and agree with You and hear from You and have our daily bread. Lord, each and every day that we couldn't hear from You and find the victory that You've afforded us through the cross. That we, Lord, there's no excuse why we could, cannot live by faith and experience the victory. Why we cannot study Your Word And find the great bread of life. Reveal to us each and every day, Lord. And we ask, Lord, for a greater spirit of wisdom and revelation as you reveal your Son Jesus to us, even greater than ever before today by your Spirit. And we ask for all that in his precious name. Amen and amen. So last week we ended, I think, with Ephesians chapter 3, and the Bible says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint. And when you start with a, a verse like that that says, but, you must look back. And I know we covered it last week, but I want us to look at verse 2. And because when the Bible says, but something, it means you need to look back and see what was said just before because it, this is what's contrary to that. This is what is the opposite of that. And verse 2 says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Now, I want us to see something very precious in this second verse before we move on to uh, the teaching today a little deeper in this chapter. And that is this. The Bible here points us to the cross as it tells, as God's word tells us to walk in love. When he says walk in love, he doesn't just give us an option of just choosing whatever that might mean. He says, watch this now, he says, and walk in love as, if I tell you to glue these two pieces of wood together as I did something over here, then as you prepare to glue those two pieces of wood together, you must look over at what I told you to look at to be able to do this. Okay. All right. See, it's very kindergarten. God's Word was made very simple for those who would come to Him through Christ and what He did at Calvary. There we understand, there we see. So when the Bible says, and walk in love, as Christ," now you've got to look at something now to walk in love. And look what He tells us to look at for us to be able to walk in love. As Christ also has loved us, okay, okay, and has given Himself for us. Do you see the point of reference? Do you see the very object of our faith? We don't just walk in love naturally, believe me. We don't just wake up every day and find ourselves just walking in love, glory to God. If our faith, if we fight the good fight of faith to keep our faith maintained in the cross, the death, the obedient act of death of Jesus Christ on the cross, then and only then can we walk in love. Amen. That is the object pointed to here. That is the point of reference. Walk in love as, and then he gives you something to look at so you can walk in love. My Lord, God didn't just tell you to do something and then leave it up to preachers to make up what you need to do to do it. If God tells you to do something, he's going to show you how it's done. Just like in Hebrews 12 when he says, Let us run the race with patience that's set before us looking unto Jesus. Amen. He's not going to tell you to do anything without giving you something to look at, which will always be His love afforded us through the cross to be able to do it. Because it has to be the Holy Spirit doing it. And the Holy Spirit is God, and God only works in truth. Amen. And when we walk in love, that means we're walking in the truth of God's love For us manifest at Calvary. And that's basically, that is really what it says. And walk in love, okay, as Christ has loved us, okay, and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. There's so much meat in that one little verse that points us to the cross of Christ. It's not just walk in love as God loves you, hallelujah. No, it's walk in love as Christ has loved you and, look, he gave himself for you. Amen. And I wanted to point that out before we moved on this morning because verse 3 says, But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. And, and you know there's a scripture. Let me look over here. I think it's John 1 and 12. It's very powerful and it needs to be brought in, I believe, at this point. It's not in my notes, but that's okay. Luke 1 and 12 Says, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, I, I got some good news for you that when you and I believed in Christ, we became the children of God in that moment in the twinkling of an eye as fast as the rapture is going to take place. Not when we did something. When we believed in Christ and the atonement He provided for our sins, we became the children of God. But, as you and I continue to maintain our faith in what Christ did for us at Calvary, we are continuing to become He gave the power not just to become called the sons of God, but to be the children of God. Amen. I mean, as our children are born into this life, as we were born into this life, we are becoming the entire, we're becoming something. Amen. We're becoming either uh, uh, more like the Lord walking with Him or we're becoming more and more evil and rebellious. But we are all peoples are becoming something. But as born-again children of God, we've been given power to become children of God. And that's not just initially, but to continue to become, maturing as the children of God. Amen. So, uh, so, these three things mentioned here, and they will really be mentioned two or three verses on down if we get that far today, again, just in a different way. But it says, let not these things once be named among you, and they won't be named among us. We won't be known, oh yeah, that church down there, that oh, that brother, whoever, that sister, whoever, oh, they're just, man, they're out there doing all this stuff. The Bible here says, let All these things not be named once among you. When you talk about fornication, watch last week's episode. You'll get a little better better revelation of that. And there's a lot more than what I could ever teach on fornication. And uncleanness, and we covered that last week. And this week, we want to talk a little bit about covetousness. And covetousness, really covetousness is really an attempt, and I've got it here... uh, uh, Covetousness is just really a, a dishonest gain. Our attempt to to get gain from the Lord or or anything in this life outside of the Lord's prescribed way in which He is made for us, which is the way of the Christ, way of the cross. Christ is the source. He is is the source of everything that God will ever give us. Our communion with God, our fellowship with God, it's always through Christ. But the the means by which Christ is able to give us all the Father has for us is the the cross. The source is Christ, the means is the cross. I've heard Brother Swaggart say it for years, and I've appreciated that, and I've learned to, to... Uh, believe that more and more as I see it in the Scriptures. Christ is the source by which all things come from God. Amen. And the means by which we get the provision through Christ is by the way of the cross. And I know some people say, well, I just don't know about that. You know, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Yeah, and that's talking about natural rain from the sky. It ain't talking about no spiritual things. Amen. People eat bread, people got meat, people got rain, that's for all. But salvation is only for those that come to God through Christ and what He did at Calvary. And the experience of Christianity is only for the children of God who maintain their faith in the cross. So covetousness is any... The Bible, and we'll see it in Scripture in just a minute, but covetousness is idolatry. And that's that's listed in Colossians 3 and 5, where the Bible says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Why would God call covetousness idolatry? Because covetousness is us wanting something God don't intend on us having. Covetousness is our Listen, having a desire for something we know God desires for us to have, but trying to get it in some other avenue by which He's provided. And He's only provided one. He's only provided one avenue for salvation. He's only provided one avenue for the experience of salvation. He's only provided one avenue for the provision obtained. Daily bread, peace, strength. It's only through Christ and what He did at Calvary. Us trying to obtain salvation through water baptism is covetousness. It's us, Titus wrote, it's us professing we know God, but denying Him by our works. Our works begin to be works of covetousness. It's, covetousness is not only me wanting what you have. Covetousness is me wanting something that I know God wants for me, but just trying to get it through some other avenue which is me actually committing all three of these. Fornication, touching the unclean thing, and committing covetousness, which God says is idolatry. And here's why covetousness really is idolatry. If I'm trying to get anything, and whether it's a good thing, I know it's God's will for me to have, outside of the way of the cross, that means I'm trusting in something other than God. The only, and, and some folks are not going to like this, but it's you can't prove me wrong, I can use the word to prove you wrong if you disagree, but you'll never prove me wrong using God's word. The only place to believe in God is in Christ. And the only place called in Christ is the cross. Everything else is vain imagination. Everything else puts us in a boatload of covetousness. Because we're not really believing in God if we're not believing in Christ. And we're not believing in Christ if we're not believing in what He provided on the cross, in His death. When our faith is moved from the cross, we have stepped into covetousness now because we're trying to work for it. Whether we know it or not, we're trying to work for it. And whether we know it or not, we're trusting in something other than God. And it is covetousness, my friends. And that is called idolatry. And that is a dangerous place to walk. So if we walk in love, very simple, which means if we keep our faith in what the Bible, God's Word tells us to look at to be able to walk in love, God's love for us in Christ, to the point of obeying His Father unto death, giving His life for us. If we keep our faith in that alone, that object, and I know people hate that word, object. Many people have risen up and we don't need an object of faith. Yes, you do. First of all, you've got to have an object of faith of Jesus. Then you have to have a second object, His death, or you can't come into the kingdom. Amen. It's not just Jesus. It's not just the love of God. It's Jesus loving you so much He died for you. Hallelujah. When you know that, you believe that, you're saved. When you continue to believe that, you live saved. Amen. And you will miss out on the fornication. You will miss. Out. You will be able to escape the lust of this world that you've been delivered from through the blood of Jesus. And it's not that we're perfect, we're not. We bump our heads, we trip up, we stagger around, but as long as we keep our faith in the cross, which the Bible calls that making our election sure, God promises we won't fall. We may stagger around, but we're not going to fall from grace. Hallelujah. Amen. We, we, we may be going through life as a Christian, and we may hear a teaching like this, and you may flip through the channels and hear Brother Swaggart, and you may hear the truth. You may get mad. But I got good news for you. You got to get mad before you get glad because your, your flesh does not like the truth. Our flesh, I did not like the message of the cross when I begin to hear it again. Bless God, that's where I started. Why would I need that all over again? Jesus said you got to have it every day. To follow him, you got to have your faith in the cross. Praise God. So, the Bible says that in 1 Timothy 6 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. And godliness is only found, the word godliness means holiness. And if you look the word up, it will point you, it will even say the gospel. The gospel, because Romans 6 teaches that unless our faith is in what Jesus did at Calvary, we cannot have any godliness in our lives. There can be no holiness. Godliness and holiness are one and the same. Amen. Godliness and holiness are the same thing. You look the word up where it's translated, literally translated from, and it will say the gospel, and it will say holiness. Holiness. And holiness, I don't care what Uncle Luther comes to tell you, you better get back to what Jehovah said. Hallelujah. And this is what God said that holiness is only produced as a bear out of our lives. It's as being uh, uh, produced by the Holy Spirit through our faith in the cross alone. Romans 6 teaches the process of progress of hol- so that holiness can be the fruit in our lives. And there has to be holiness, or the Bible says there will be no seeing the Lord. Hallelujah. So godliness is contentment, is great gain. We just need to be satisfied more and more every day with who we are in Christ, who He is in us, with the simple truth, He died to make it all possible. Well, that just gets old. That you know that just listen. We say that because we're spoiled, rich, naked and blind wretched Americans or wherever you may live. You know, if it, if the message of the cross is getting old to us and we're not seeing the scripture in that light, man, we don't know it like we should. We're not believing it like we need to be believing it. Amen. So, uh, just our godliness, which is what Christ provided through the cross, the Bible says to be content with that is great gain. God says greater gain than gold, greater gain than silver, greater gain than fame. It's great gain. There is no great gain. People will look at you like you're not very much. You just a guy at work told me several weeks ago. He says, "Man, what do you live at church? ever all every day on Facebook. I just see you and uh, scripture and you recording and you all over. Do you? Do you how do you come to work? And, well, technology, man. And I mean, I mean, what are you living for? Amen. When when I mean, our lives show every day who we're living for. We're either living for the world, we're, we're still listening to rock music. It's worldly, man. God's not okay with that. Holiness can't come out of rock and roll or country or rap, which is ungodly. Hallelujah! I don't mind telling you. Praise God. Covetousness, I've read it to you already, Colossians 3, 5 says, Covetousness is idolatry. It's kind of like where the Bible says that witch, uh, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. How is rebellion like witchcraft? Because rebellion against God means I'm trusting in something else. Whether it's me, my preacher, whether it's my, uh, my aunt, my riches, my, my, my talents, my, if I'm trusting in anything other than the work of Christ, and it is literally that narrow, that simple, that plain, If I'm trusting in the cross and I'm not trusting in the cross. If I'm trusting in the cross alone, then I'll find myself being led by the Spirit of God under grace. But if I'm not, then I'm trusting in something I'm doing, something somebody else has done, and that's law. And under law is where you find rebellion witchcraft, covetousness, idolatry, all that's under the law. None of it exists under grace. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we see in Ephesians 5, 4, he goes on to say, Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but what is convenient, look at what he says, but rather giving of thanks. As we grow, and I'm experiencing this right now, And anybody who's got their faith in the cross alone, focused on the sacrifice, is growing in that love toward God, that heart of thanksgiving. I'm telling you, if your faith, my friend, is in the cross, you are finding yourselves thanking the Lord more and more, more all day than ever before, in the midst of every trial and and thing that comes your way, whether it's the darkest of storms, infirmities, weakness, any type of thing you're going through, you're going to find yourself at the end of the day saying, Lord, If this is in my weakness is where your strength is made perfect, then I'm going to glory right now in this mess and who you are, what you provided for me, and I'm just going to remain thankful for you. I'm not thankful that I'm sick. I'm not thankful they died. I'm not thankful I ain't got no money. But I'm thankful I know you through what you did at Calvary. I'm going to thank you right through this. And listen, if we spend more time griping and talking trash and and all these things the Bible says that we shouldn't be a part of, uh, what's the alternative? Well, what else we got to do and what else we got to talk about? Some say begin to thank God for Jesus and what He provided at Calvary. Most Christians, and I don't say this being mean because I know what it's like to have these thoughts. I came out of this. Most Christians think they know everything. Think about it. That's why I didn't want to hear the message of the cross. I already know all that. But I didn't know Genesis to Revelation in the light of the message of the cross, which is the light the Holy Spirit wrote it in. Amen. Amen. You listen to the message of the cross, you'll see that to be a true statement. Well, I already know Jesus died for my sins. I already know I'm forgiven through faith in Him. I already know Jesus worked miracles. I know He's coming back. I know He's going to reign a thousand years. I know, okay, what else is there? It's living the experience of that. My Lord, it's living the experience, living the life. Man, life is lived, not put aside. God didn't give you everlasting life to begin when you die and and start with Him. He gave you everlasting life when the King of Peace, the man who claimed to be life, moved inside of you. Only way you and I have abundant everlasting life is because life Himself moved in us, and He wants us to experience Him every day. Yeah. Amen. Life, eternal life, is not something gonna go on out yonder forever in the eons and eons, although it is. But what's gonna go on forever and ever is the Christ, the hope of glory, who's gonna be in us forever and ever. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the experience. I ain't talking about no church service. Thank God for preachers and churches only that are preaching the cross using God's word. But And thank God for prayer and fasting and tithing and offerings and all the things God called us to do, be a part of. But I thank God more than anything for that relationship, that daily indwelling of the Holy Spirit I can talk to him anytime I can talk to him in a meeting that's going on while everybody else is arguing and complaining I can just be over in the corner talking to the Lord and listening to the Lord hallelujah I don't have to be at some church and a preacher standing there I can talk to the Lord anytime he can talk to me anytime fellowships at all times hallelujah amen Life is Christ living in you. And that's why we must come back to the cross because it's the only place that He won't be quenched, He won't be grieved, the Holy Spirit I speak of, that we can be in fellowship and walking in agreement with each other. Him changing us, causing us, allowing us, blessing us with a greater experience of this abundant life He's given us. Amen. If it's just same old, same old ritualistic church and ritualistic in and out, in the house in the evenings, out of the house, back to where, oh, what, what's going on? I'll barely making it. But what you doing? Oh, little as possible. Just the same, like robots caught up like ants, just just like, I barely make it, I guess I'll make it. You need to come back to the cross and be quickened unto righteousness, awakened to live this life, bless God, to be a testimony to the world as you are a witness unto God. I'm talking about living, man. I'm talking about not just staggering around trying to be like everybody else. Your marriage, if somebody's listening to me right now, you got issues with your marriage, come back to Calvary. Amen. You know what that's going to entail eventually? When you literally come back to the cross, you're going to watch the Holy Spirit begin to push things out of your life like the music you know that's not right, like things you're participating in that's not... That in and of itself is not salvation, but it is the experience of what He's doing in your life to sanctify you, to cut things off you don't need. Amen. Amen. What your marriage needs is Christ and Him crucified. Amen. People think that their children are going to grow up and just because they don't drink, smoke, do drugs anymore that their children aren't going to. Unless you bring them to the cross, church ain't going to fix them. Amen. So the Bible says, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather, what is convenient? The giving of thanks. Amen. Instead of griping all time, thank God you got a job. Instead of griping all time, thank God you got a husband. Thank God you got a wife. Thank God you got help. Thank God you got a dollar. Thank you. There is no end to what you can be thanking God for. And it is the alternative God is offering in salvation, the giving of thanks to escape from all this junk. Somebody says it right here. Listen, you 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 got to let go of this filthiness, this foolish talking, all this talking that's talking without the Lord. It's okay to talk about, is it going to rain today? But it's also okay to talk about the Lord at work, in Walmart. (laughs) Nor jesting. Filthiness are really acts which are shameful in the eyes of the Lord, which only the flesh will commit. I see all these people, these especially uh, women on Facebook, posting of themselves parts of their bodies that don't nobody need to be seeing. And you wouldn't wear that in front of the Lord. So that means you shouldn't wear it in front of people. And it's really a filthy spirit. I love you enough to tell you. So quit posting videos, pictures of yourself that nobody should be seeing but your husband or your wife, whatever the case may be. Filthiness is, let me read it again, filthiness is just doing something, it's an act that's shameful in the eyes of the Lord which only the flesh will commit. That's happening, flesh is committing that. That's the flesh. Amen. You know, I'm I'm amazed at, especially women who wear certain provocative clothing. It's like we don't know they're a woman. Okay, we know you're a woman. Mm-hmm. Cover up. Mm-hmm. Foolish talking is just silly talking. It's, it's absurd and when you look it up, it, it literally gives this next word I'll share with you. Blockhead. Oh my blockhead. S- folks who are just silly, it, silly all the time. It's okay to be humorous. It's okay. But just silliness all the time. The Bible translates the word blockhead. They're just known for their silliness. If you're just known for your silliness, God says you're a blockhead. I'm not being ugly. I'm, 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 just, just, I'm taking... I don't just get the, these definitions of these words off Google. I look at where they were translated from. Just like any theologian, I'm not a theologian, but I am a Bible student. And I know where to go to get the Hebrew for the Old Testament or the Greek for the New Testament translation. Same place anybody else goes. And so we got we to gotta let this filthiness go. We got to let this foolish talking go. And the Lord says right here that if we'll just get thankful, they'll go. If we'll just get thankful, we'll be, too, we'll be so thankful we won't have time for no more of this silly talking, this, this foolishness, these, all foolishness. You know the Bible says, uh, defines the fool as the one who says there is no God in his heart. And, and, and that doesn't mean just verbally, that's the one who is speaking with the way he lives as if there's no God. Yeah. Foolish talking, just like there ain't no God out there. You know those people just have no fear of God. They can say anything, do anything. I work with people. They know I'm a pastor, a Christian pastor of a Christian church, and it means absolutely nothing to them. They'll cuss even though they know it. There's no fear of God. And they're like, oh, now they think they're saved. They think they're... Because I guess they might say the word Lord every once in a while, or they talk about having gone to church. I don't know, but there's no fear of the Lord. It's just foolishness. It's just silliness. And the last one is jesting. The Bible says don't let filthiness nor foolishness or, or foolish talking or jesting, they're not convenient. This is, we're talking about in the eyes of the Lord. God says these things aren't convenient for you. They're not beneficial for you. That means they are hurting the situation between your fellowship and the Lord together. They're hurting that. Unless we're living as thankful Christians and being thankful ain't just saying, well, you know I'm thankful, bless God, and then going back to your business. Thankful means that stuff is leaving. I didn't say it just disappears in a day, but we find ourselves maturing and growing and less and less filthy, less and less silliness, less and less of a blockhead. and more and more thankful, hallelujah. But watch this. The jesting, and you're really gonna bear witness with this, especially all of us that have worked out in the in the environment out there among people who are just lost and saved and, and 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 all that. But watch this jesting is witticism in a vulgar sense. And and the example, I've seen this for years, that I might I might on the job as a man, I might see a woman that looks nice that I might be interested in. So living as a lost man or a Christian who doesn't know how to live for God, living in the flesh, and I'm not thankful and loving my wife like I should be, and I'm looking at something else I shouldn't be, then I'm going to say something to what we call stir the water. It's called jesting. What I say could go either way. If they take it in the way my heart really means it, and they let me know with that glimmer in the eye that I'm gaining a little bit of ground here with them, or if they rebel, what are you trying to say to me, Curtis? Are you, you're, not assu- you're not trying to say, and they get angry. Oh, no, no, you know that's what I meant. I meant this. That's jesting. When we say something that could mean this or it could mean that, we're, we're, we're testing the waters. Our old flesh is just jesting. Really, we're suggesting something. If they take it the way our flesh wants them to take it, then we both find ourselves fulfilling the lust of the flesh but if they get angry they, they love God they're living for God or maybe they don't maybe they just love their husband and they know that ain't right what you said and they confront you over it then you say oh no, 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 no that is not what I meant I meant that is jesting that is wit witticism that's what jesting really is witticism in a vulgar sense Men use fleshly words that could be meant to mean something either good or vulgar, as they are, as I told you, testing the water, so to speak, most of the time it's in the realm of sexual. Most of the time. And you all know very well what I'm talking about. You know, single people do it all the time. Amen. A lot of Christians do it that don't know how to live for God. They do not know that their faith must remain in the cross Every moment, fighting the good fight of faith to keep it there. Amen. These things are not convenient, the Lord says, but what is convenient, as we've already covered, is the giving of thanks. Amen, the giving of thanks. And when you hear the word of the Lord and you say, I agree with this because it's God's word, I'm I'm accepting this. And I'll tell you a little quick story. Years ago, I preached my first message in a church right down the road from here. And my first message ever preached in a sanctuary uh, setting uh, was on a Wednesday night. A storm was brewing outside, and it was called the Heart of Thanksgiving. Never forget it. A storm came up, lightning flashes, thunder booming, and I was preaching being thankful in all things and I was as scared as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs I was nervous and scared and right in the middle of my message a little woman stood up and said I mean interrupted my preaching and said I don't have anything to be thankful for my kids are rebellious they're kicking holes in the wall I could just get in the car and drive it off a mountain tonight and there I am wondering Lord what I do Why is this happening to me? I just wanted to get through my first message. And I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. And of course, if you're in the pulpit, all eyes are on you. You're in charge, it's on you. And all I could say is I held my pants real tight. Well, we love you, sister. And a bunch of women flocked around her and took her and ministered to her, tried to, what what they have... You know, bless their hearts, they didn't really know how to back in those days. They, and they didn't know what to tell her. Uh, but anyway, that night when we got home, our well had been struck by lightning, 360 foot deep, struck it so bad, it went all the way down and, and melted the case into the submergible pump. And I said, no problem, call the insurance tomorrow. We, Robin called the insurance. They said, you're not covered on any adjacent structures. And the Lord immediately said, are you thankful now? because you're going to have to learn to live what you say you believe and when we hear the word of the Lord like in these any time when you read it you're studying it and the Lord's speaking to you or you're sitting under the preaching that's the preaching of truth and the Lord's revealing truth to you and you say I believe it you got to know this your faith is going to be tested any faith at all is going to be tested and, and I've heard preachers say this, great faith will be greatly tested. Amen. So our faith must remain in the cross. And what's convenient for us is giving thanks. Amen. Amen. Instead of wasted words, the child of God needs to spend their time speaking of the Lord and giving thanks to Him. You know, I remember years ago saying something about the Lord on the job and the guy told me, what are you doing, man? This ain't Sunday school. They limit God and His Word to a building somewhere. On Sunday morning and maybe Wednesday night. What are you doing talking about the Lord on the job? This ain't Sunday school. And I said, well, you're right. This is Thursday school. Could be Tuesday school. Bible says talk about Him all the time. Talk about Him to your children. Talk about Him on the sidewalk. Talk about Him at the table when you're eating. Talk about Him on the job. Talk. Don't stop talking about the Lord. Right. It's our option whether we choose to obey Him and when we see how good He's been to us, which can only really be seen through what He's done for us on the cross. Really. Oh, you can see there's a wise God, That some God so wise He created everything, but you can't know Him except through His Son and what He did at Calvary. Hallelujah. You can know there's a great architect somewhere that put all this together, that created a human eyeball and makes the planets move like they do. But you can't know him except through the blood of Jesus. Watch this scripture concerning what we're talking about right now, talking about the Lord, talking about giving thanks, and, and talking about why we're thankful. Instead of these things that are just jesting and filthy and silliness and wasted time. No need to waste any more time. God calls that a waste of time, by the way. If He says it's not convenient, that means you're wasting time. And the Bible surely and clearly tells us not to waste the time, but to be redeemers of the time. And when you hear the word redeem, you look to Calvary. For When you spell redeem, you spell it C-R-O-S-S. For any redemption, anything redeemed only takes place through the blood of Jesus. So for us to redeem the time instead of wasting time means we're looking unto what Christ did at Calvary and we're thankful every day, all day. Hallelujah. No matter what's going on. Malachi chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this, Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. Not on Sunday and Wednesday. They spoke often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. My Lord, what's the Lord looking for? What is the Lord looking to hear? His people talking often about Him. Hallelujah. And a book of remembrance was written before Him for them that feared the Lord and thought upon His name. A a whole different book. Among His people, who are all written in the eternal Lamb's book of life, uh, even among His people, there's a book of remembrance there for those who talk about Him and talk about Him, think about His name often. Amen. I wondered at one time when I was reading in the Old Covenant why the Lord began to call the Levites His own. When all the children of Israel, the whole nation was his own. But he kept calling the Levites over and over and over. The Levites will do this. They are mine. And I'm like, Lord, they're all yours. Why are you uh, specifically saying the Levites are yours? So, and, he, and he chose them to do the work of the tabernacle, which was the most symbolic thing in the Old Covenant of what Jesus would do at Calvary. The tabernacle where God dwelt between the cherubim's wings on top of the mercy seat, on top of the Ark of the Covenant where He communed with and atoned for their sins by covering them one more year, year after year, and all the pieces of furniture pointed to the cross, possibly more than any other thing in the Old Covenant. Why did you choose the Levites to do that? Why are you calling them your own when the whole nation is yours? And the Lord got me in the Scriptures and began to back me up all the way to that day when Moses came down off the mountain. They were in one big orgy. They would built a golden calf. They were worshiping the Lord as if the Lord had brought them out through a golden calf and he won't be worshiped through anything but the blood because the blood's what brought them out of Egypt. The blood's what brought us out of sin. And Moses come down the mountain and he said who is on the lord's side he's saying that same thing today once again who's on the lord's side all the golden calves the purpose-driven life the purpose-driven church the purpose-driven this the government of 12 the word of faith you speak it now you can speak all this garbage instead of just the blood of jesus and when Moses said, who's on the Lord's side, who was it that came out from among them? It was a tribe called the tribe of Levi, the Levites. The word Levi means joined to the Lord. And it was just a, it was just a, a fulfillment of the very name of that tribe. They joined themselves to the Lord again. And then, You know, I won't get into the rest of that story, but because of that faith, that day, in the true provision that brought them out of Egypt, which was the blood, the Lord chose them, and even among all His people, He says, they are mine. And I'm bringing that story out because of what's written here in Malachi. Every born-again, blood-bought child of God is on their way to heaven, but He says here there's a book of remembrance, He's listening to those that are hearkening, that are talking to one another often about His name. It's a book of remembrance that was written before Him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon His name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. Praise God. It's not saying that God's a respecter of persons. But there are rewards. There are rewards. There are treasures. The Bible plainly teaches we can lay up for ourselves. I can't lay up treasures for Brother Keith. He can't lay up treasures for me. Jesus taught lay up treasures for yourself. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And this only takes place as our faith remains in the cross because every treasure we are able to even lay up is the Holy Spirit working through us as we believe, trust in Christ and are doing what God's called us to do through Christ. And all treasures and all, all crowns, even the crown of life that we have, they all belong to Christ. It all, all the glory belongs to Christ. When we are with the Lord one day, we will never say, oh, look at us and what we did. If, if, as we look at each other, just as the angels uh, continually circle the throne and they see God at all times and because they see Him at all times, they continually cry out one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Not look at you, man. Look at you. Look at me. No, holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. When you're looking at Him and what He's done, you're too busy to be looking at yourself or anybody else. Praise God. I believe that's why Paul said, I don't even judge myself. I ain't got time to judge you or myself. I'm just looking at what Christ did. Glory to God. I'm just going to be thankful. My goodness. And you know really the only ones who you'll find on this planet. Anywhere. Speaking of the Lord. Which means we have to be speaking truth. That means the Word of God in truth. To each other. Amen. It's not just, and let me say this this morning. It's not just, thank God, you got a preacher preaching the Word. That won't cut it. you got to have a preacher preaching the Word of God in truth. Jesus said He's the truth. Jesus said in John 17 when He's praying to His Father, Father, Thy Word is truth. But see, truth liberates and frees us from the lust of the flesh and the things of this world. So as our faith is truly in the written Word of God, means it's truly in the man, the living Word of God and what he did at Calvary. And then everything begins to be transformed. And then I begin to talk about Him more than I find myself jesting and being silly and just really avoiding the things of the Lord. See, that's really what foolishness and jesting and silliness is all about. It's an avoidance of God. Thankfulness is an admittance and an acknowledgement of God and what He's done for us. The other things that are not convenient is an avoidance, a running from God. Hallelujah. You know those that are thankful because they want to talk about the Lord. Many, most Christians I know, you start talking about the Lord, they'll run off. I'm talking about people think they're going to heaven, have been born again. They really don't want to talk about the Lord because they're so ingrained with foolishness and silliness and jesting. And they, I'm, I'm, Most Christians, I hate this, but most Christians that I know, most people that claim to be Christians... They really, most of the time, only laugh at silly things and jesting and sinful things. You start speaking the Word of God, they'll run off quick. They'll run off and hide quick. Why is that? Let me tell you this morning why that is. Because there's nothing in their heart they have to speak of. Their heart is filled with worldly things. I know I speak from experience. Amen. I was a Christian, but my life was full of rock and roll music. And if I had a conversation with anybody, nothing of the Lord ever came out because I wasn't walking with the Lord. I wasn't really trusting in the Lord. I was believing and listening to and trusting in rock music. Amen. Watch ourselves. When we're carrying on conversations with people, what we're full of is going to come out. Listen to the preachers. What they're full of is going to come out. Amen. A preacher that's always talking about condemnation, it's, it's because he's living in a condemned attitude. Amen. Listen to your preachers. They reveal from the pulpit what they're full of, what they're believing, what they're walking in. Learned that a long time ago. Ephesians five five. For this you know, that no whoremonger which means fornicator. Now watch what happens here in verse 5. He's just pointing back to the things that have been mentioned. And this is very powerful, what we're about to read, because we are believers in the Word of God. And right here, what we're about to believe causes Christians to go, hmm, well, I just I don't know, I'm, I'm confused then. And the Bible says confusion is not of God. So watch this. What he's about to mention, these things he's about to mention in verse 5, he's already covered in verses 3 and 4. Watch this. For this you know. You're not confused about. You're not doubtful about. You're not confused. This you know. Everybody say, I know. know. This you know. We should know by now. That no whoremonger, that means fornicator, this is, this is not just simply exclusive to those out there that are married, that are not married, whatever the case may be, and, and all they want to do is just sleep with everybody in town and just... Whoremongers are fornicators. It's a part of the definition of fornicators. So watch this. For this you know that no whoremonger... Everybody say, no whoremonger. No, no whoremonger which means fornicator, nor unclean person. Look, he's talking about now the uncleanness that he talked about. He's just reminding us. He's telling us, this you know, that no whoremonger, no unclean person, which, pe- which means people who are not trusted in the blood of Jesus, it's the only thing that makes us clean. We remain filthy without the blood of Jesus. Nor covetous man, here it is again, who is an idolater. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? Now, when we read that, we say, "Well, uh, my goodness! I know there's my goodness. This is man. This makes this thing narrows down. This narrows this thing down." And let me remind you, Jesus said that the way that leads to life is so narrow there will be very few that find it. The greatest example of all is that when Jesus went to the cross, they all forsook him. When Noah built the ark, no one was saved except those with Noah. His three sons and their wives and Noah's wife. Eight people, that's it. Imagine that. The entire earth populated, however much that was back then, wiped away because they didn't believe the preacher of righteousness. Amen. Amen. So when we read this, it emphatically, concretely, absolutely tells us there ain't nobody that's a whoremonger. There ain't nobody that's a fornicator. There ain't nobody that's unclean. There ain't nobody that's covetous, an idolater, that's going to inherit anything in the kingdom of Christ and of our God. Now, hold on just a minute, preacher. Preacher. Because there are Christians I know that have tripped up and staggered around in all all these things. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all unrighteousness. And a a Christian can in the flesh be found committing whoredoms, fornication. I've been there. Doesn't mean I'm lost on my way to hell now. But it means the Lord was able to bring me back to true faith and grace. Amen. Amen. Our condition, I don't care what Joseph Prince and all the rest of the lying preachers out there are saying, our position in Christ is perfect. It's complete. But our condition here is not. Ask my wife. I'll ask yours. (laughs) I'll ask your husband. Amen. That's the truth. That is the truth. And it was like I was in the uh, state penitentiary in New Boston, Texas a few years ago, and I was—I go up to the, the little crack in the door and I turn my Bible around and for the purpose. I want you to see what God's Word says. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see it with your own eyes. Mm-hmm. And there was a man in there that looked like a woman, talked like a woman, and struggled with... The bondage of homosexuality. And he told me, he said, you're the first preacher that's ever come up to my door that didn't tell me I was just going to hell. See, that person admitted it wasn't right. But there was a bondage there. Christians have bondages. It's those who say... God made me this way, and He's okay with it. That aren't going to heaven. There are Christians who lie. Can I get a witness? There are Christians who lust. There are Christians who steal. There are Christians who commit acts of sin. You can forget what the garbage is out there. You're living proof of it if you're listening to my voice. But the blood of Jesus will cleanse us of all unrighteousness if we continue to confess our sins to the one that we're walking with in the light of what he did at Calvary. Hallelujah. But these people out there who just says, this is the way I am, this is the way God made me, this is the way it is, and just like the homosexuals and lesbians who last weekend were in the streets of Texarkana, glorying in their shame, and it is shameful. Shameful that they would make things up about the Lord and twist and remove things from God's Word so they can have what they want instead of what He wants. And those people have no inheritance in the kingdom at all. None. None. And watch what the next verse says in Ephesians 5, 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. That means when people show up and start talking about, oh yeah, God loves everybody. They're all going, they're all, God loves them too. That's why this scripture is right here. Let no man deceive you with vain words. God has spoken and what God has said will be the way it is. He will not change His word to accommodate my flesh. He gave His Son to deliver me from my flesh. Hallelujah. So he says here, because of what he has just shown us in the word for those who will take God at his word, now he warns us and says, let no man deceive you with vain words. You know that none of these people are going to inherit the things of the kingdom of God. And so you better be careful because men will come to deceive you. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for they are vain words if they are not in agreement with what God has spoken. Right. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children. This is talking about the children of God, the children of obedient, disobedience. Those who go with the vain words that say, well, God loves us too. And I want you to know in Noah's day, I'm sure the people were saying, son, my daughter, God loves us too. He wouldn't dare wash us away like the old man Noah's preaching. God loves us. He wouldn't do that. I got news for you. Hell is full and is enlarging itself right now because people are dying having believed vain words instead of the Word of Almighty God. And we will no longer be deceived with vain words, which means words that have no power except in the flesh, to lead us away captive under the bondage of flesh. And Jesus said he was crucified that we might be delivered from the flesh. Any person that was bound under homosexuality and lesbianism or you list any other sin and abomination before God that comes to Christ through faith in what He did at Calvary, they will find deliverance. It may not be just that quick, but it will be day after day after day and they will find themselves coming out of that. It is not a maybe, I hope so. God is not a slot machine. He will deliver Hallelujah. From anything and everything, it don't matter what you're dealing with, he will deliver you through the blood. It may not be, look, it took, it took God one day to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took God 40 years, if not, if he ever got Egypt out of all of them. Hallelujah. The only way he's going to get everything that ain't right out of us is by coming back for us one day. Then it'll all be gone. But until then, we are being changed by the Spirit into that image of glory that we're beholding. We're being conformed into the image of that one that saved us that we're now married to. Hallelujah. And if we're not being changed and finding ourselves loosed from this jesting and silliness and all these things and, and these bondages more and more, then we need to examine ourselves to see if we really are in the faith that comes from hearing the word of Almighty God. Because here it is when faith comes, faith overcomes. Right. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm glad you tuned in today. I'm glad you joined in. Please hit the share button. Share this gospel with the world. Don't be ashamed of it. Share it with the world. If you can't share it, you better ask yourself why. Please share this gospel. Share it. You've got hundreds if not thousands of friends. And tune in next week right here where God has promised to give you more if you'll just keep going further in Christ. Hallelujah. We love you. See you next week. God bless you.